Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So today we will be diving headfirst into 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I will be reading from the New Living Translation. It is a great, great chapter. I made the boo-boo of going through yesterday's soap, what was on the schedule for yesterday, and outlined a nice little like conversation for us based on yesterday's chapter. So then I'm putting my stuff away about seven o'clock last night. And don't I realize that I outlined the wrong chapter? <laughs> but thank God I noticed the night before and I didn't hop in the chat and say, all right, guys, we're in first Samuel seven. And everyone kind of cocks their head to the side at the same time and says, no, we're not. <laughs> but no, it's all good. So we are in second Chronicles chapter 20 today. I was saying a couple more moments for everyone to hop in. Just some upcoming stuff that we have at the church. Tuesday is all dream team night. If you haven't registered yet, go and register. Uh, we definitely want to see you there. We have Matt Keller coming out to bring a fire, fire, fire word. And even if uh, you're not on a dream team now, I encourage you to come out to dream team night just to see what it's all about. Uh, it's a great place just to get plugged in and find your purpose in the Lord. And I think I have one more thing that's coming up. You know, we'll stick with that. Yep. So Matt Keller coming out all dream team night. You definitely do not want to miss it. That is this upcoming Tuesday. And it starts, I believe, 630 p.m. This Tuesday, 630. All right. So we've got some people in here. It is 6 a.m. So you know what that means. It is time to stretch the sleep off. So everyone stretch it out. We are going to shake the sleep off. We are going to dive into God's word. Oh, actually got needed that stretch. Whew. So good. All right, let's pray and let's go in. Father, we thank you. Uh, we get to come to your throne with boldness and confidence knowing that your throne has mercy, it has grace, it has a rhema word for today, and that you want to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, uh, I just pray even now uh, that you would speak to us secrets that from your word that we've never even seen before. Because Lord, we know when we go to the secret place to meet with you, that is where you reveal your secrets. Uh, God, so many people throughout our lives have told us secrets, uh, but Lord, there's nothing like your secrets. So Holy Spirit, I just pray you would reveal to us today the character and nature of Jesus and a plan and a next step for our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, let's dive right on in because we have a great chapter ahead of us. Second Chronicles 20 is a good one. Uh, I do not pick the chapters for our soap, but church, I got to tell you, 
every time I read the chapter of the day for the soap, I'm wildly impressed. And I say somebody needs like a, a high five pat on the back, something because it's like I'm filled every time I read it. So let's go in. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I am reading from the New Living Translation. Starts off, it says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the uh, uh, Munites declare war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan Tamar, which is another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little, little ones, wives, and children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Geo, son of Matana, uh, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz, at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeroboam. But you will not even need to fight. Take your possessions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. 
Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting against themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began to attack each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. They were, there was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So Jehoshaphat ruled over the land of Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. His mother was Zuba, the daughter of Shilhai. Jehoshaphat was a good king, following the ways of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines and the people never fully committed themselves to follow the God of their ancestors. The rest of the events of Jehoshaphat's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the record of Jehu, son of Hanai, which is included in the book of the kings of Israel. Sometime later, King Jehoshaphat of Judah made an alliance with King Isaiah of Israel, who was very uh, wicked. Together, they built a fleet of trading ships at the port of Ziongeber. Then Eleazar, son of Dobavu from uh, Maresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat. He said, because you have allied yourself with King Isaiah, the Lord will destroy your work. So the ships met with disaster and never put out to sea. Come on. So good. Thanks for bearing with me while I butchered all the names. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> I think I, I maybe got like 75% of them right, but I think that's pretty good. Okay, so what verses stood out to you guys? I would love to hear what God was speaking to you through the soap. Drop them inside of the chat. I like to peek over while I speak and just kind of check out what God is saying to you guys. Uh, we're just going to go through this thing verse by verse. And I have a few like key points I definitely want to hit, but we're going to see kind of where the Holy Spirit takes us. So kind of giving some context, uh, verse one kicks off, right? The armies are attacking Israel. 
right? They were attacking and declaring war on Jehoshaphat. Uh, so many of us have gone through different wars, and I'm not talking necessarily uh, physical wars, but spiritual wars, maybe spiritual wars, emotional battles. Uh, we've gone through the ringer. We've gone through fights. And this is kind of so very similar in the emotions and feelings that Jehoshaphat is going through, right? Verse one, war is declared. Verse two is what we see as the response to that declaration. Messenger comes to Jehoshaphat and uh, he's, uh, sorry, then verse three, it says he was terrified by the news. I think that is such a natural response, terror, right? Because think about it, them marching to attack Israel meant Israel's demise. He knew the size of the army. He knew the size of their armies. He knew the fight power they had, and he knew the fight power that he had. And in the natural, in his assessment, he said, I do not have the people and I do not have the resources to win this war. But this is where it comes in. But there's always a but God to every natural response, because to every natural problem, there's a supernatural solution. And here is exactly where he came in in his faith. Because even though he was filled with terror, in spite of fear, he popped in and went into the presence of God. What did he do? He begged God for guidance. In spite of how he felt, he said, Lord, I need you. And uh, he even went and persisted. He said, uh, hey, everyone in Judah, which by the way, Judah was like the worshipers. Hey, all the worshipers, it's time to begin fasting. It's time to begin praying. We all need to seek God together. And I really enjoy this because it kind of goes against maybe a natural mindset for us. When we hear bad news, when we're going through something, we're filled with terror, we're, we're filled with fear. You know, sometimes crisis does drive us to Christ. However, uh, sometimes there's this like little inkling of a notion in the back of our mind of I need to go to God full right? There's like, I want to go to him when I'm feeling okay. If I'm fearful, he doesn't want me to be fearful. So I don't need to go to him. You know, like I want to go to him, right? There is this concept that, you know, a lot of people buy into that. I want to go to God a certain way. Uh, church, I want to tell you something today. Jesus wants you exactly how you are. And that's such a cliche, but true statement. If you're afraid, go to God afraid. If you're tired, you just got off a 12 hour day. You haven't had quiet time, devotional time to even hear the voice of God, go to God tired. If you're fearful, terrified, just like Jehoshaphat was, go to him terrified. God, I have no idea what the outcome is going to be, but I know you. If you're prideful, go to God prideful. Discouraged, go to him discouraged. Wherever you're at, go to him how you are. Because here's the thing, if we go to him full, he only wants to come and fill us, right? So we want to come to him empty. And I want to come to him saying, God, I want to be filled to overflowing to actually live this life. I want to be filled to overflowing so I know what to do. And I don't have to walk in fear in this land and walk through fear in this life. You see, God wants us right where we are so he can be God to us. Now, Jehoshaphat's response was terror, running to God, the ideal response. And then he goes into the next thing. He orders everyone to fast. Verse four uh, or verse three. Uh, all of Judah, all the worshipers began to fast. Verse four, so the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Exactly what we're doing right now is what the nation or the people of Judah started to do. I'm going to fast and I'm going to seek God. 
I'm going to brittle my body so my spirit comes to the forefront. I'm going to set myself on the back burner so my spiritual senses can come alive to hear the voice of God. They were giving God a sacrifice in that moment. And their strategy for war probably isn't the normal strategy we would think about, right? Because we're thinking strategy for war. How many troops do they have? How many troops do we have? Uh, how many spears do they have? How many spears do we have, right? What's their firepower? What's our firepower? Their first strategy for war was to seek God. Their first step in solving the problem and what they're going through was, God, I'm here to seek you. Hear me, church. You might be going through the ringer right now. You might be in the middle of a situation. You have no idea how to deal with it. Uh, you know, everything from maybe kids are off the rails, right? Maybe you got yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in. Come on. I know I'm not the only one that's been there. Uh, and you need God. Hear me. You at the moment, your first step should not be a self-help book. It should not be seeking counsel from someone else. And it should not be trying to get advice from 10 people or your inner circle or your closest friends. That stuff is all fantastic. Hear me. I'm an avid reader. But our first step is to seek God. Our first step is to get into the face and presence of Jesus. Our first step is to say, God, I have no idea what's going on. God, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. Lord, I'm fearful. I'm terrified. I'm angry. How could you put me in this position? Lord, what is going on? I have no idea, but I'm here for you. I need your counsel. I'm going to fast and brittle myself to open my spiritual senses to hear your voice and come into your presence. Their response was incredible because they had people marching up on them day by day. Think about it. It's not like the other nations and the other armies camped out and they're like, oh, wait a second. We're going to give them a minute to seek God, <laughs> right? It's it's not like they were saying, hey, let's take a break from marching towards to attack them and chill out and let them seek their God. These people were marching in every single day and the pressure was uh, uh, compounding every step that those armies took. Yet the nation of Israel, the people of Judah, decided to take that pressure lay it at the feet of their God. Hear me, church, you can take whatever you're going through and lay it at the feet of your God. And I'm a little bit of uh, a word geek with the Bible. I love, love, love the original language and breaking down and studying the Greek and Hebrew. There is this word in the Old Testament. It is galal. Galal uh, entails basically laying something or rolling something off at the feet of Jesus. So the word got its origin from camels. Yes, camels. Now, these people, of course, are in the desert, as far as like, you know, where the origin of the word was. And they would pack up their travel supplies on the back of camels. And if you ever notice when you see camels traveling, you'll see one camel filled with supplies and probably one or two more camels traveling with that one in the pack. And they'll have nothing on them. Those two have nothing. and. I'm going to be honest with you. First time I ever like made this observation was before I was even familiar with the why behind the what. And I thought, man, camels got a union job. Go ahead, camels. <laughs> like, I'm so proud of you guys. Rock out, right? <laughs> so the camels walk with the supplies. When that camel that is overloaded gets tired, it gets down on its knees and it rolls the supplies off of its back. 
And then what they have to do is they have to take the supplies and load it on a new camel and then pick up their journey where they left off. That is the concept of Goel. A camel says, I'm done with this. This is too much pressure for me. This is too much weight for me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to roll it off. And wherever that pressure lands, it lands. Church, we are meant to roll off pressure. We are meant to roll off our feelings, roll off our circumstances at the foot of the cross. Anytime we're going through something, we're meant to sit before God and say, God, me, I can't deal with this. But you, I know you can. I'm going to go lull it before the foot of the cross, knowing that you can handle this way better than I can. God, take care of what you take care of. I'm putting my trust in you. So this exactly, I love these first four verses because this is exactly the plan of how to get through anything. You want strategy? Seek God. Right? Amen, church. So. He goes on and he holds a massive prayer meeting. I think this is so cool. It's exactly what we do on Wednesdays, every Wednesday. Come on, Wednesday, worship and prayer. They had Judah, the worshipers, and Jehoshaphat was going to start praying. So he stood before the community. He goes through this incredible prayer. He acknowledges in verse six that God is sovereign, right? Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are God in heaven. You are ruler of the kingdoms and the earth. You are powerful, mighty. He goes on verse seven. Uh, he reminds God of his promises. And I think this is an incredible concept because he goes, oh, God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Think about this. Right here, Jehoshaphat is reminding God, God, don't you remember? Like you gave us this land. You promised this land. We literally call it the promised land. Uh, church, I would encourage you, know and familiarize yourself with the promises of God. Like, know what they are. Know what the Lord has promised you. He's promised me peace. He has promised me uh, a blessing, right? He has promised me that I can, like, there, I will see goodness here in the land of the living. He promised me where I go, devils will cower. Come on, somebody. Like, where I go, the Holy Spirit goes with me. Remind God of his promises. Whenever you're in a situation, a moment where you're feeling like Jehoshaphat was feeling, I am fearful and terrified. Remind God, Lord, I feel this way, but I also remember your promise says perfect peace belongs to you because you are the Prince of Peace. Holy Spirit, will you give me that Prince of Peace? So he reminds God of his promises. Verse nine, he says, uh, whenever you're faced with a calamity, war, plague, famine, we come and stand in your presence. We come and stand in your temple. Uh, they do this. Because what's to say? We can cry out, you will save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. They know who God is based on his character and nature. It is so important to know who he is. Because there is, I, I kind of, I don't know, I'm very big on this, of just intimacy with Jesus, right? Intimacy with Jesus is saying, God, into me see, right? Intimacy into me see. God, see into me, see into my heart. And because when you say, God, see into my heart, he then says, okay, come and see into my heart too. And we get to look into God's heart. They were praying this prayer. Josephat was praying this prayer based on knowing who God was. It gets so much easier to communicate with God when we know who he is. Prayer life changes because we can stand in confidence before his throne and remind him of his promises when we know the inside inner workings of God's heart. Think about this. Your best friend. You more than likely know what your best friend is thinking before it leaves their mouth. Conversation with your best friend is easy. 
You know how to communicate with them. Why? Because you've seen into their heart. You've done time with them. You have communicated with them. This is the same thing right here. God, we know you. We've seen what you've done. We've seen your works. I know your heart. You know mine. God, we know what happens when I come into your presence, when I come into your secret place. We cry out to you. You save us, hear us, and rescue us. How powerful is that, church? When we know the heart of God, we can pray the heart of God. All right, let's continue on. Verse, let's jump to verse, verse 13. So it goes down a little bit. It says, all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children. Now, as a youth pastor, <laughs> this verse stood out to me first of all the verses, uh, because I think it's so very important, so very essential that our families know we stand before the Lord with them and for them. Uh, you know, and this is like one of those things, my wife, uh, back before I was a Christ follower, you know, she missionary day to me, she did the no, no, but hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, I'm following Jesus now. And her prayer, we dated for a year and a half before I gave my life to Jesus. So nothing but credit and props to her because I'm a handful as it is pre Jesus. It was even more. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, she was sitting in church one morning, we were dating maybe a year and she looked at the chair next to her and it was empty. And she prayed and said, God, will you fill it with him? Like, I, I, I want nothing more than to sit in church with him. And, uh, maybe three years later, she was sitting in the front row and I was a pastor in that very church preaching to the church that she was praying I'd be a part of. And she sat there and I remember I'm preaching and like, it was an okay message, you know, like, listen, us preachers, we know, we know when it's okay. And we know when it's good. Believe, believe us. <laughs> like we know it was an all right message. Like it was good. The word was preached. That's what matters, right? There was life change, but I'm looking over as I'm preaching. My wife is just crying. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like it's an I message, but I think it was that good. Like you just sitting there crying. Maybe it's so bad. You're crying. And I asked her afterwards, I said, baby, what was going on? And she said, I realized uh, I had prayed for so long for you to sit next to me in church and God did more than I can ask, think, or imagine. And there you were standing before me leading our church. And she's like, I couldn't, I can't even begin. I don't even know where to begin in thanking God for that church. It's so important that we as Christ followers stand in the gap for family, stand in the gap for the people who matter most to us, stand in the gap for that person. Because here's the thing, we may not, and some of us, we may not even sit next to them, right? Like the family members, I'm, I'm right in the same boat with you, where I'm crying out to God for family members. I'm crying out to God for the people who matter most. But we want to stand before God with them when they show up. And we want to stand before God for them and say, Lord, I'm going to get into your presence. And this is the same thing, right? God, I know your heart like Jehoshaphat knew it. I know you are a saving God. Lord, I am taking you. I'm reminding you of your promises right now. And I know your promises are yes and amen because your word tells me so. And your promise says that whosoever calls upon your name shall be saved. Lord, I know a couple whosoever's and they're my family members. Come on, somebody. They're the ones I care about. And Lord, I'm stepping in confidence right now before you for my family, believing that I'm going to see your goodness in their lives. Jesus, save them. Jesus, take their hearts and minds 
captive. And I want to encourage you, God does more and above anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine. If the Lord could take this random kid from the the street and corner of wherever and turn him into a Christ follower on fire and now pastoring inside of his church, the Lord can do it inside of your family too. And it's not based on what we can do. It's based on what he can do. Isn't that right, church? Come on, can I get a good amen to that? Stand before God with and for your family. Now, we're going to jump down. Verse, where are we at here? Verse 15. Oh, man. Such a, such a classic verse. Everyone knows this verse. There's so many songs written about it. A uh, little context. I'm going to skip. Spirit of the Lord came upon a man that was standing there. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit prophesying through an individual. This individual says, listen, all you people of Ju- uh, Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Write that terror you're feeling. Don't worry about it. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Come on. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle belongs to God. So incredible. Uh, if you have to write this on a sticky note, if you have to uh, sharpie it on your arm for the next three days, if you have to make it your screensaver on your phone, if you have to set your laptop background at work, I'm, I'm giving you some pretty good ideas here. If you have to put the sticky note on your steering wheel in your car like I do, get this promise inside of you. Get this word inside of you. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, here's right. Let's define reality as we hear uh, pastors Brennan and Danielle say. Let's define reality. Their reality was just as it says here, don't be discouraged by the mighty army. Uh, God acknowledged there's a mighty army. Okay. God acknowledged, hey, there's more of them than you. <laughs> God, God noted it. He it didn't go past him. It didn't, it wasn't like, oh, he wasn't sitting on the throne, like, oh, I didn't count right. He knew exactly how many were in the army. And he looked at them and says, mm, don't be afraid. No, don't be discouraged by what you see. Church, don't be discouraged by what you see. Don't be discouraged by the doctor's report. Don't be discouraged if you just lost your job. Don't be discouraged if you're wondering when that breakthrough is finally going to happen. All we have to do is put our faith and our trust in this simple fact that the battle belongs to the Lord. Like we referenced earlier, these people did not go to God all strong, mighty, ready to roll. They went to God terrified and discouraged. God responded, said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The battle belongs to me. I want to encourage you. When we are weak, then we are strong. Because when we come to God weak, that's when he strengthens us. If you're in the middle of a battle, if you're in the middle of a storm, and you're trying to figure out which way's up, which way's down, when all of a sudden north feels like south and west feels like east, and you don't know what direction's what, and your mental capacity is tapped, the kids won't stop crying, my boss is going wild, I don't even know what next week is going to look like. Remember this, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Get that word in you. Get that, like seriously, this verse is so important because it will free you. 
Because what happens in our lives so often is we take responsibility for the battle. When the battle shows up, we start, right? We work through the strategy. We work through the plans. We work through X, Y, and Z. God, what are we going to do about all these different uh, uh, factors? What God says is, yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with strategizing. But what do we do first? We seek God and recognize the battle belongs to him. Because at the end of the day, my God is the healer. No doctor is. Come on. My God is the one who is supernatural. And he made out of dust and dirt people in mankind. If he made people, us, human beings, out of the dirt and the ground, don't you think he can touch our mortal physical bodies and heal us? You better believe he's strong enough to do it. And all we have to do in the meantime, in the middle, in the middle of this is how I'm feeling and this is the breakthrough I want to see, in that space in the refrain in between, we acknowledge and believe and trust because the battle belongs to the Lord. So I want to encourage you, get that word into you. The battle belongs in. Goes on, verse 17, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still. Watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. This is why I love Jesus. I swear, he like, I get excited when I read the Bible. I get excited in general. But when I read the Bible, like I get energized because look at this. He's like, yeah, so take your positions, right? What he's saying is get ready, get yourself prepared, dive into the word of God, right? Strengthen yourself, take the position. However, you don't need to fight. You're not even gonna have to throw a spear. All you have to do is prepare yourself and stand still and watch God work. That is like, it's so freeing that all I have to do is say, God, I know you work and I'm putting my trust in you to work. Jesus, I'm going to liberate myself from false responsibility of trying to make things happen. And Jesus say, it's all about you because you're with me and I'm with you. Now come and do what it is that you do here. And from there, we're going to jump to verse 21. They sent the worshipers first. Jehoshaphat consulted with the people. And what he says, I'm going to appoint singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord. And they sang, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Imagine charging out into battle, singing about love. <laughs> Imagine this. The front lines is Pastor Jose. <laughs> it's the worship team. He's got his acoustic. You see Carlos Rosado on the drums. You see Jesus on the keys, just on their way, marching into battle. And what's that? Who's behind them? The army. <laughs> but this is so incredible. Uh, I remember an old pastor, we used to be in prayer, and he would say all the time, send Judah first, send Judah first. And it was catchy. I didn't know what he meant, but it was catchy. And I was like, yeah, go ahead, man. Send Judah first. Go ahead. High five. And this clicked for me last night while I'm reading this. Send Judah first. What's What does it really mean? Send your worship into battle first. The first thing we do when we're stepping into battle, I'm sending my worship. I'm sending my praise. Think about it. They took their positions. They were, they were ready to go. But how do they ready themselves for battle? How do they ready themselves for warfare? They worshiped. Your worship is a weapon. And what your worship does is it strengthens you internally. Your spirit gets strengthened. Your soul gets strengthened to step into the battle. And here's the thing. 
they didn't have to fight, but they were strengthened stepping into it. And then what came afterwards, verse 22, we read it, supernatural breakthrough when all of the armies start fighting each other. I thought that was so incredible that they didn't even have to lift a sword, lift a spear. But what the outcome was, God supernaturally moved and gave them breakthrough on their behalf. So church, as you're going through this fast, as you have three days left, and counting, I'm sure, for some of us so we can finally have sugar, coffee, meat, and all the good stuff again. As you are counting it down, I want to encourage you. <laughs> Remember the breakthrough you're fasting for. Remember what God has spoken to you. If you do not already, I'm like a broken record with like the principles that I follow through my life. Journal. Journal, journal, journal. Well, I got... I got journals on journal. I didn't even bring those props here. This is just ironic. <laughs> Get your journals. Write down what God says to you. It is so important to strengthen ourselves and remember what the voice of the Lord is saying. The word of God, the Bible is so good, but there's something about the rhema word when he says to you, do not fear, do not be discouraged. The battle belongs to me. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has a spoken rhema word for every person in his church. And he wants to speak to us. And all he's saying is, I want to speak to you, but I want you to want to listen to. So these next three days, if you haven't maybe gotten a breakthrough word, if you haven't, like, let's say, had that intimacy moment with the Holy Spirit, where it's like, God, I feel your presence so close. Like, I know you're here. Take these next three days to press in. Want take these next three days to say, God, you are working on my behalf. I, I need to see breakthrough. Just as David prayed, I need to see your goodness here in the land of the living. And I'm confident I'm going to see it. Come on, press in over the next three days. Scoot to the edge of your seat. Come on, we're pulling to Pastor Brandon. Scoot to the edge of your seat. Get ready to hear from the throne of Jesus because he wants to speak to you. And after he speaks to you, Write it down because we are people, we're human beings, we forget. <laughs> That's natural reality. And even when God speaks, we'll forget. Write those things down. So when you can reflect, you can strengthen yourself. That's the word that freed me. That's the thing where I got my breakthrough from. And it reminds you, my God is faithful to me. And you can march into the next battle, right? When the next battle comes, I can march in singing about love and how his faithfulness endures forever. Amen, church? All right, come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for each and every individual that is listening to this. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would strengthen them right now. Holy Spirit, I pray you would remind them that the battle belongs to you, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be terrified. We don't have to try and figure out the ins and outs. We don't have to try and develop a strategy to get through the battle. All we need to do is say, God, the battle belongs to you. So I'm just going to seek you. And I'm just going to put my trust in you that you are faithful to who you say you are, the one that's going to see us through. So God, I just pray you would strengthen your church today. Strengthen your people today. And God, for everyone who's been pressing in on this fast, God, give us a little more gas in the tank for these last three days. 
Give us a little more grace over these next few days just to seek you, just to hunger and thirst after you. Just as the deer pants for water, so does my soul long for you. Holy Spirit, strengthen your church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. All right, God bless you all. I hope your Friday is phenomenal. And I really do pray I see you all at Dream Team Night. So again, if you're a dream teamer, we want to see you there. Matt Keller has a fire word. And if you're not, and it's like, you want to know what? I want to get on a dream team. Come on out. We want to see you there. All right. God bless you all. You have a great day.